Hi, Eric Goldwine here from LTCCC's Nursing Home 411 podcast. Up next is part two of our two-part series on the White House nursing home reforms, where you'll hear from two of the best advocates out there in Lori Smetenka and Sam Brooks from the National Consumer Voice for Quality Long-Term Care. In the interview, we'll chat about their latest campaign supporting the White House reforms and discuss how you, the consumer, can help ensure that these critical reforms like minimum staffing standards, increased nursing home accountability, increased financial transparency, we'll discuss how these reforms can become a reality for consumers and nursing home residents. Make sure to check out the show notes for links to resources mentioned in the show, including the Consumer Voices website, theconsumervoice.org. And don't forget to check out part one with Richard Mollett and the Center for Medicare Advocacy's Toby Edelman. And that's available on our Apple and Spotify podcast feeds and on nursinghome411.org slash podcast. Up next, you'll hear from the Consumer Voices, Lori Smetenka and Sam Brooks in part two. Here's our music by Silverman Sound Studios. In early March, the White House made a major announcement on reforms for improving safety and quality of care in the nation's nursing homes. And these include staffing standards, they include increased oversight, uh, financial transparency. Now, in part one, our guests, uh, Richard Mollett and Toby Edelman, who I wouldn't describe as the uh, uh, glass half full type when it comes to <laughs> long-term care policy. Uh, They called this, uh, they described this as the most important and positive news uh, changes in in nursing homes since uh, Ronald Reagan and the 1987 Reform Act. That's a few years before I was born. Um, So it seems to be the case among a lot of the consumer advocates that this is, for the most part, excellent news. So I'm going to start by asking you, Laurie, what was your reaction when this, uh, this announcement uh, came in your inbox or however you first first heard about it. Yeah, I think um, like Richard and Toby, not only were we surprised to see this, but really excited about it because I do agree with them that these are some of the most important reforms that have been proposed in decades. Um, and the list of reforms that are being proposed are things that are really important to residents. And we believe as advocates and people who work with residents would really make a big difference in improving the quality of care and quality of life that they are experiencing. So, you know, I I think that they're really critical. And I think the other piece is this is really the first time um, that I can remember that we have an administration that really put forward this comprehensive plan and seems to be committed to getting it done. Um, so we were really excited about it. And Sam, did this come out of nowhere for, for you or did you kind of like anticipate something was coming down, down the pipe? Uh, what was your reaction? I mean, I think we were, we were definitely surprised um, that it was so comprehensive. Um, I mean, we've, as Lori just said, the, this new administration has been really willing to engage with advocates and residents and family members to really listen about, you know, what the problems are. So you're excited to think, you know, some 
some changes were coming. Um, but I don't, I think Laurie will agree to this. We didn't expect such um, sort of comprehensive and in detail um, uh, <clears throat> reforms to come out all at once. So we were, I, I would say we were stunned and happily stunned and um, very excited that they had done it, but certainly wasn't something that was on our radar um, when we heard. Right. So now that these announcements are have been made, now that the reform announcement's been made, uh, we just need to uh, cross the T's, dot the I's, then we can all uh, take a take a spring break or maybe retire. Right. Is that that's right? Yeah, that's, that's exactly right. right. I think, you know, I, I, these are issues that we've been working on for decades. Um, the things that are included in here, you know, a minimum staffing requirements. Staffing is the biggest problem in nursing homes. And it's the one that affects the resident experience most directly, not just quality of care, but quality of life. Um, and the vast majority of facilities, even before the pandemic, were understaffed and it's gotten even worse during the pandemic. So, you know, to, to include a minimum staffing requirement has been really critical. Looking at issues that would um, affect the resident experience around the room crowding, you know, too many residents are in a room. And frankly, you know, most of us don't want to be sharing rooms. So if we could get to a point where we could have private rooms, that would be great. Having um, issues that affect the transparency and accountability. I mean, all of these things are issues that, you know, we've certainly been working on and we think are changes that definitely need to be made to improve this industry and the quality of care that residents receive. And one of the things I, I like about Consumer Voice is, is, as an organization, they're able to kind of rally people to uh, take action and uh, bug their uh, their legislators and, and really... Um, Make some noise. So, with this, with these particular reforms, what noise needs to be made, and to who, and uh, what's how do we go about doing that? Mm -hmm. Well, I'll I'll start, and then Sam, if you want to jump in um, as well. So, you know, I, I think that um, a lot of noise needs to be made about how critical these reforms are and why we need them now. And that is something that residents have been telling us directly for a long time. It's something we hear from families, from ombudsmen. Um, so there are different pieces of this um, plan that need to be put into effect. One certainly is at the administration level. There's pieces that um, need to be implemented by Congress. And so, you know, I guess as we're talking to residents and families, essentially the message needs to be very wide and broad in terms of raising the importance um, publicly of the need for, um, for implementing these provisions and um, getting Congress to pass their aspects. Um, I'll maybe I'll say a few things about, you know, the, why we need you know, public perception. Um, we're hearing a lot from the nursing home industry right now about how they can't do these things, how um, how they would be burdensome and how they can't do them because they're either, they don't have enough money or they don't have enough staff or whatever the issues are. And, you know, we really need to stay focused on the resident experience and why these things are absolutely necessary. And um, I think that the policymakers in this country at the administrative and congressional levels need to hear from their constituents about why we need to move these things forward and find that path forward to getting them put into place. Um, Sam, what would you 
like to say or add to that? No, and I agree with that. And I think what's important to point out is that all these reforms come from um, um, experience. Um, they're all in reaction to, to problems. I mean, we, you know, advocates and, and residents and um, other people who push for these reforms didn't just make them up. And where they come from, as Lori said, is poor experience for nursing home residents. And, um, you know, we're at a disadvantage. Nursing home residents are off, they're, they're sequestered from society, especially during the pandemic. Um, and getting their voice heard is very important. Um, and to combat the, really the, the, the language from the industry um, that they can't do these things. And it's really important that we remember that they're not being able to do that or saying they can't means residents suffer. Um, so elevating your own story. I mean, this month we've been doing a lot of advocacy around um, staffing and these reforms. And this week, for instance, not to date the podcast, but I am a little, um, we are asking uh, residents to and families to share clips of um, what, what short staffing means to them. And I think at the end of the day, um, it, those experiences, and a lot of people have them now, these acute, terrible experiences because of the pandemic, getting those out and letting people hear about them is really the, the, the most, that's what's going to move policymakers um, at the, you know, the administrative level, but also hopefully at the congressional level. And you, uh, you hear from, from residents, you hear from resident families, you hear from ombudsmen every day. Are there any, um, any examples that stand out to you that you could relay of, of these stories about, about staffing and how they've affected residents? Sam, do you wanna start? Sure. I mean, we uh, <clears throat> throughout the pandemic, we have been trying to talk with families and residents um, in a variety of ways. And we conducted a couple surveys of family members who were reunited with their loved ones. And they just told horrific stories of decline. You know, nine out of 10 family members related um, that their loved one had experienced extreme physical decline during the period when facilities were locked down. And all of those things the things they described, such as poor hygiene, pressure ulcers, um, loss of cognitive impairments, all were really symptomatic of poor staffing and inadequate staffing. And, you know, we just released a report um, in the past couple of weeks about that looked at the, um, some federally provided data showing that pressure ulcers rose, the use of antipsychotic drugs rose during this period of time. And those are all symptoms of inadequate staffing. And then we hear from residents. Um, you know, we, we've conducted quite a few listening sessions with residents. And what they relate is, is when, thing, when people are short staffed, they don't get out of bed. You know, some people can't get transferred to their, to their, um, their wheelchairs. So they're at their mercy for hours of being um, confined to bed, or they don't have um, their, they, they don't get changed if they've soiled themselves. Um, and really another big result of this, um, of inadequate staffing has been that um, residents constantly are experiencing new staff. You know, the turnover is so high that they're constantly having to reacclimate themselves to new staff and tell new staff about their conditions. And oftentimes new staff don't understand those conditions. So, it, you know, with that churning of staff, it really has a 
extremely negative impact upon the daily lives of, of residents and really in a way dehumanizes them and makes them um, just kind of cogs in this, this really dysfunctional wheel. And uh, so I mean, we've heard, I, when we talk with residents about these reforms, they, they also share that. I couldn't believe what I was reading. You know, imagine having a staffing standard, what that would do for our lives every day. I wouldn't have to wait for the call button. I, you know, I wouldn't have to have, I wouldn't be so dependent upon um, staff to, to go about my daily life, my activities of daily living. That turnover point is such an important one. And, and I should say there is now more transparency around staff turnover, but that transparency alone does not solve the problem. But I just think about it in terms of, of my own daily life. Like I, I have a new, this is not the same level, but I have a new barber every two months sure. or to have a new gym instructor every two months. And this is, these are, again, these are minor things. Now, if you're a, uh, a, a resident in a uh, long-term care setting and the people who you need and rely on to um, help you maintain and attain your well-being and if those people are changing uh, and if there's such high turnover rates, that's such a um, drastic, uh, it could have such drastic effects on residents. Uh, and to the report you mentioned, I'm going to just list some some statistics and data points. It's a, it's an excellent report. It has some, uh, as it has a few really uh, few charts that really stood out to me. But during the pandemic, pressure ulcer rates rose 31 percent. Rate of residents uh, experiencing weight loss rose 49 percent. Uh, depression, uh, feeling down, uh, feeling hopeless, rose 40 percent. Uh, antipsychotic medications jumped, uh, I believe it was 77.5%. Uh, but the chart, the, the visuals alone will tell you the story about the, um, the effects of the pandemic. And uh, it's, it's a striking report. We'll link to that in our, um, in our show notes. And we'll also link to, uh, you have a couple of tools on your website, including your, uh, there's a sample letter to the editor, which is, it's very easy and it offers helpful language and information for you to put in. And you have an online tool for people to write letters to the editor. If you could quickly uh, talk about those resources. Yeah, there, there are some um, terrific resources that we've developed. And if uh, your listeners go to our website at www.theconsumervoice.org, um, the consumer voice is all one word, they can access those different tools. But um, essentially, you can um, customize them um, and add in your experiences and then um, select, you know, essentially where you're from, and it'll send a letter to the um, submit a letter um, to your local papers, for example, in order to have published so that um, residents and families can raise their voices about what their experiences are um, and the need for reform in these areas, as well as you can send letters to your policymakers that way, again, to tell them, you know, what's needed and the fact that they need to take action and that the time is now to do that. Um, so we've got those um, provisions up on our website and, uh, and people will be able to use them and continue to um, raise their voice 
voices that way. And, you know, I think that that's really something that's um, key and critical for listeners to understand is how important it is for policymakers to hear from residents, from family members, from people working in the field, from ombudsmen, um, about what they see and what they experience um, so that we can get a better sense of what conditions are in these facilities and actually make change um, that's going to be um, um, implemented and that will make a real difference for the residents um, that are living there. You know, we don't have a, a national staffing standard. And I know, you know, there are a lot of reforms that are listed in the president's plan. And the staffing is one that we talk about the most because we do think it will have the biggest difference. But we don't have a national, uh, a federal staffing standard, only that it needs to be sufficient staff. And there's no definition of sufficient. Um, and uh, we've seen in, in a report that we did last year that state standards um, are highly inadequate, some requiring very little staff, and facilities obviously have not been, able, been willing to do it themselves, to have enough people on hand in order to meet the needs of residents. That what, that's what we've seen, and so that's why we do need a minimum standard put in place, and that's why we need these reforms right now in order to um, put these provisions in place so that residents will not suffer the way we've seen them suffer during the pandemic and even before that. Yeah, just to piggyback on that, and I just want to encourage listeners um, about the voice. I mean, these reforms happened because policymakers listened. I mean, policymakers weren't just sitting there and this came to them. It came because of advocacy from um, other groups, LTCC, um, um, Center for Medicare Ad Advocacy, Justice and Aging, but all that fed up from family members and residents. And if you ever, if, if listeners are questioning the efficacy of letting their voices out, they just need to look at the Biden administration plan and understand that this came directly from that input. And we can't let up now. You know, we, the, it's the voices of, of residents and families that got these uh, this this plan announced, and it's going to be the voices of residents and families that's going to bring it across the finish line. And um, so, I, I just really want to give that word of encouragement. Yeah, that's a really important point, and and understandably, I hear a lot of uh, frustrated families. I get emails from them uh, right. saying, "How what's the what's the point of this? We've been working hard, and nothing's happened." And uh, in their defense, usually nothing does happen, yeah, but the, yeah. prog the progress isn't linear. And I think this announcement is the byproduct, not just of these last couple of years, but of, of action people have been taking for uh, 20, for 25 time. years ago. And these things, you just keep chipping away. Uh, one day you'll get, a, you'll get that major announcement. Some days it'll be nothing, but I, I think it's uh, an important reminder to uh, for people to know that what they do today, it might, it might um, have some benefits tomorrow. It might not uh, have any visible effect until 2040, but right. it, it all matters. Um, yeah. So we're in, uh, it, it, we, we're recording this on March 21st and uh, to be determined when, when we put this out there, but uh, this announcement was made, uh, the reform announcement was made on February 28th, I believe, and you put together a uh, webinar program and uh, a few days later, and the slogan uh, has been March 4th. And I confess uh, this, this webinar, which took place on March the 4th, 
I didn't connect the dots <laughs> on it being on the plan. And I'd like to think I'm pretty good uh, with, with plays on words, but I didn't connect the dots until two weeks later. I'm like, wait, it's March 4th. And uh, it, that was March 4th. And this program was called March 4th. Anyway, uh, credit to whoever came up with that, that slogan. Um, it's stuck with me. Yeah. yeah. Well, and, you know, the interesting part of this is, uh, uh, you know, again, as we mentioned at the beginning, we didn't know that these provisions were coming out. And, you know, certainly we were really glad they came out that when they did. But that program had been planned even before, uh, you know, we were doing the webinar, we were planning the, the March 4th program even before these provisions came out, because there was a real need to really, again, raise the visibility of the need for reforms in nursing homes. And um, we were able to quickly pivot to focus on the reforms that had been proposed by the administration, which frankly are things we all have been working on collectively for a long time, as, as we've already mentioned. Um, and again, you know, we also hear from the family members and others who are frustrated that reform, um, that action doesn't happen as quickly as we would like. And believe me, we're there with them. We're, we hear you. We're as frustrated as you are about um, how slow moving um, action can be. But we need to think about the work that we do um, kind of as a marathon that, you know, it's going to take a lot of effort. You can't think about it as a one and done. You can't make one phone call. You're going to have to make repeated connections with your policymakers through letters or phone calls or emails or letters to the editor or sharing your stories on social media and tagging them or whatever it is, because again, they need to hear from you um, and they need to hear what those experiences are. All right, thanks so much. So we're gonna close the episode with our guest recommendation segment where I'll ask you both for one long-term care related recommendation. This could be a book, a movie, uh, activity, a TV show, a song, uh, it can be anything. And then one uh, recommendation that's not related to long-term care. So I'm gonna start with you, Sam. Oh, don't start with me. I, I forgot <laughs> to think that. Um, you know, what I think of, I, I don't know of a book, but whenever I think of um, long-term care related stuff, I think of the, the movie Awakenings with uh, uh, Robert, I think it's Robert De Niro and... Um, Is that one with Robin Williams too? Robin Williams, yeah. It's just a really wonderful movie about hope and, um, um, you know, certainly an extreme situation. Um but it's in a long-term care setting many years ago. Um, uh, but I, I, that's the movie I always think of. I, I can't think of a book. Um, I was racking my brain, you know, not none book, no books that I would like to, for people to read, I guess, you know, like, uh, uh, but uh, yeah. Laurie? Yeah, well, so, you know, in terms of a, a book and, and we still have them available in our office, the one that really has made a difference to me, it's called Nursing Homes Getting Good Care There. And it's a book that, you know, we had published a number of years ago. And while, you know, I will admit, you know, to your audience that we need to do some updating of it, it still has some great core basic information. And it's a good primer for people who, you know, are looking for information about long-term care. And it's one that um, helped teach me as it was being developed, you know, what 
good care could look like and gives good examples of that. And so it, it's certainly something that has stuck with me all these years and something we still refer to even 20 years later. I just, I have a, a running document of movies and TV shows portraying nursing homes and long-term care settings uh, ranging from, I'm just looking at the list now, uh, Sopranos. Um, oh yeah, I forgot yeah. about that, right. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, the savages. Uh, yeah, just uh, all the, all these movies out, and a, a movie called a maybe it's a TV series assisted living. Anyway, there's a whole list of them, and I have yeah, this ever evolving document. Yeah, that would be a so, good one to put out there one day to see the different yeah. the different options and 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 even the way people are portrayed in them. You know, you want to see the ones where you know you've got the rebellious residents, right, <laughs> who are right. looking to shake things up a little bit. So those are always good. Right. I don't know if you, if either of you have seen Happy Gilmore, but uh, oh yeah, but the scene the scenes <laughs> in, in that movie were were might have been my first exposure to uh, to nursing homes and in in movie settings. But anyway, the Awakenings is now added, and now what are your non long term care recommendations? Oh gosh, Sam, I've been reading a lot lately, um, but. Um, I'm, I'm trying to, uh, I just read an interesting book called, um, what, what, I forget, Un, uh, Un, Unintentional Gods. It's, it's this book, it's really interesting about um, people who became gods to other people, but not intentionally. So for instance, Haile Selassie from uh, Ethiopia became a god to the Rastafarians and uh uh, General MacArthur became a god to many people in the Far East um, during World War II. And it just really goes through all these um, really interesting scenarios of uh, people um, becoming gods in life, um, some fostering it. MacArthur like clearly um, liked it and fostered it, while Selassie did not. And he um, and the implications of that, and really the dynamics around it, um, and, and really interesting book, um, uh, and I do recommend it. Mm-hmm. I think it's accidental gods. If I have accidental gods, accidental go. gods. Thank <laughs> you, thank you. Okay. It's very good. It's very good. Interesting. So one that I'm actually listening to on audio book right now is a series by Alexander McCall Smith called 44 Scotland Street. And they're, um, they're books, but they're not super long. And um, it's a series that he started writing quite a, a while back, where it's the story of the inhabitants of this building at 44 Scotland Street in Scotland, and um, just the different interactions between the different residents of this apartment building. And there's Um, young people and older people and this very precocious young child who's I think kind of the main character um, throughout all of the series a precocious five-year-old who plays um, the saxophone and can speak Italian and you know but the interactions between all of the different characters are just really entertaining and um, it's one it's fun to listen to easy reading and just for pure entertainment so if someone's looking for a, a good light series to listen to or to read um, it's one that I'm enjoying right now. All right. Well, thank you for these recs uh, and thanks for coming on the Nursing Home 411 podcast. We'll post the links to uh, all the resources and and the reports mentioned on the show and appreciate you coming on. Sure. Thanks for asking us. Thanks, Eric.